Hello and welcome to the Almost Enlightened Podcast, a show about whatever I want. I'm your host, Alex Morin, and holy smokes, am I happy to be recording a new episode. It has been way too long, and I have been way too busy, which breaks my heart because I love this show. I love creating episodes. In fact, it's one of my favorite things in the world to do. But if you're a regular listener to the show, you know that I have a few businesses, you know that they're getting launched, and those businesses are taking off and consequently taking a lot of my time. But that's okay because I have to leverage the material that I'm creating in my other businesses, bring that to the Almost Enlightened podcast, and share with you when I have the opportunity to do so, which is exactly what I'm going to do today. But before I do that, why don't I sponsor this podcast? Why don't I let you know a few words from our sponsor, who happens to be... Promo Noise, one of my companies, right? We're talking about leveraging. This is the way it has to work in the world. Look, if I don't have sponsors and anyone who's lining up to sponsor this show, why don't I sponsor it myself? So I'm gonna do that. Promo Noise is generously sponsoring today's episode. This episode today is called Identity, and Promo Noise is a phenomenal company. It's an educational company geared towards people in business, and specifically promotional advertising, although we don't have to limit it to that target audience. In fact, if you visit promonoise.com, you can check out, among other things, product reviews videos of interesting and revolutionary promotional product advertising ideas. But even more importantly, and what might relate to you, is I've got a series of lots of blogs on there. In fact, one of the series is called the Mentor Series, where I teach things that were taught to me by my mentors. And then I've also got the regular series blogs on there, which are fascinating. Things that I picked up over the course of 21 years in corporate life, uh, stories that I've picked up and things that I've learned here and there, and things that I continue to discover on a daily basis. And I, I put them down, I put them on paper or on screen these days, and I publish those through the Promo Noise channel and also in various magazines around the world as well. So let's get right into today's podcast episode entitled Identity. So here's the story. We hosted a cacao ceremony this morning, Sarah and I, my wife, and it was on the topic of identity. And I did a little talk, and I'm going to summarize that talk for you today in the hopes that you get something from it, that something resonates, or that it actually creates some thoughts in your mind that cause you to reflect and go on with your life and continue experiencing new and interesting things. So here we go. Identity. If I say the names Michael, Mandy, Jessica, Vivian, Ivan, Frank, Bill, Crystal, and I keep going on and on and on, I could easily tell you that naming somebody or somebody's name is the first instance of being individualized. It's the road, it's the path to our identity. And let's relate that to being named as a baby. When we're young, our parents give us a name. Sometimes that name actually 
gets created before you're out of the womb. And other times, it could be a week later, a couple of days later, but in essence, everybody is named. And I would argue that this is the beginning of our identity. So when I become Alex, when my parents name me Alex, they start relating to me as Alex. And Alex is different than his brother, Jeremy, and different than his other brother, Dominic, and different than his sister, Carrie. I become an individual in the eyes of my parents. Yet, as a baby, as somebody who's born, I am an undifferentiated self. And this means that there is no difference between me and anything else. I have yet to define myself. There is no definition of what I am. And that is really interesting. Because as a baby grows and its parents call it, Alex, let's do this. Alex, come over here. Alex, eat your food. I begin to identify with the concept of Alex. Alex must be somebody different than the other person whose name is being called. I start to individualize myself. And as I said in this morning's session to our cacao ceremonialists, have you ever watched a baby discover its hand? I have. I've got three children. And I absolutely loved it. I marveled at it. A baby will put their hand in front of their face and you will see them begin to realize that it is their hand, that they have control over their hand and can open and close it. And have you ever witnessed the beautiful little smile that comes across a baby's face as they make this discovery? The eyes light up, the smile widens, and there's a realization that, hey, I own a hand. This is something. And at this moment, slowly, the baby is leaving its undifferentiated self and becoming somebody that recognizes some things. A hand an orange, a toy, my parents. So you start to see that progression. And as we get older, we become more individualized. We go to school and we learn and we become interested and fascinated in the topics that really pique our interest. And so we pursue them. And our parents encourage us to pursue the things that we love. If I love hockey, I'm going to pursue hockey. I'm going to become good at it. It's going to become a part of my identity, Alex, the hockey player. And parents will always encourage you to separate yourself from the pack. Alex, if you want to be successful, you must work hard. <clears throat> Pardon me, you must continue to distance yourself. You must learn and specialize and individualize and become someone special. 
in this society, we're taught that if we're special, then that is your signature. That's who you are. That's how you differentiate yourself. There is nothing wrong with that. We live on a planet. We live on a very physical planet. And we should experience these things. And we should follow experience and take from it and learn and explore and become fascinated by different topics and different people until we find what it is that draws us in and serves our purpose and ignites our passion. This is what we do. But along the way, what we're doing is becoming an individual. We are formulating an identity. I am someone who's interested in flying kites. I am someone who's interested in hockey. I am someone that loves music. And everybody on the planet is different, has different likes, has different experiences, has different parents moving them and pushing them in different directions. This is what makes all of us so unbelievably unique. It's magical. It's magical. And as we become these individuals, as we make these identities, we end up sharing them. We end up broadcasting them. We end up becoming those identities. Let's think a little bit more about identity. So as I amass these experiences, as I learn these new things and they become part of me, part of my memory, part of my constitution, <clears throat> as those things happen, they become my identity. And I get to share that identity with different people. That's really cool. I'd like you to imagine something for a moment. I'd like you to imagine getting a new job. What happens on the first day of your new job? Well, you walk into the business, of course, and you may see the receptionist sitting there at the front, and you may introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Alex. How are you? And that receptionist tells you something. Hello, my name is Scott. I'm the receptionist here. I've been here for two years. I'm the first person that everybody sees when they come in here. I love it here. You're going to love this company. And everything Scott tells me begins to paint a picture in my mind of who Scott is. Scott's identity is based on the information that I gather, the information that he provides me verbally, the information that I take in through my eyes, the information that comes in through the senses defines Scott's identity. And I do likewise. Well, hello, Scott. My name is Alex. And how I dress on that first day of, of, um, of work is going to help Scott define my identity. If I walk in with beautifully cut hair, wearing a tie, a gorgeous suit, fantastic pair of shoes, 
I look a certain way. Scott begins to categorize me in a certain way. That guy's a good dresser. He looks sharp. He's here on time. That must mean something about Alex. And my identity is starting to formulate in the eyes of Scott. Think about it a little bit like the internet many years ago, when you used to have to download a picture. So you clicked on a link, and the picture started to materialize on the screen. It used to go from top to bottom, I believe, and then it would kind of stall halfway. And you would wait for that picture to develop until you saw the entire picture. Well, our, our identities in the eyes of people are very similar to those pictures that are crystallizing, that are coming into fruition. Because the more information I provide to Scott, the more crystallized my identity becomes. Right down to the way I speak, my choice of words, again, how I look, how punctual I am, all of these things are cues. And if I showed up at work with a Guns N' Roses t-shirt, hair all over the place, a pair of cowboy boots, smoking a Marlboro cigarette as I walk into the lobby, that paints a totally different picture of who Alex is. My identity in the eyes of Scott is totally different than the identity of Alex that walked in with the nicely kept hair, the beautiful clothing, the great shoes, the well-put-together attitude. What we display and who we are and who we become and what we show, actually, more specifically, is the identity that we are creating for those that see us. And the reason that I've spent so much time talking about that is because we only know our identity by the reflection of other people and how other people see us. And our identity is completely different with Scott, the receptionist, at my new job than it is with my best friends that I play hockey with on Sunday nights. They know me differently. I have a different identity to those people on my hockey team. I have a different identity with my wife. I have a different identity in my kids' eyes. Identity is different with whomever you're interacting with, generally speaking. You show different facets of yourself in different experiential circumstances. That's a wild observation. Let's dig a little deeper and talk about my seven-year-old son for a second. My seven-year-old son plays at the neighbor's yard quite often. My neighbor is a cool dude. My son knows my neighbor as his friend's dad. If you said, hey, who is the neighbor? My son would say, oh, that's Buddy's dad. And that is the identity that my son would have of my neighbor. And yet, I know my neighbor totally differently. I know when he emigrated to Canada. I know what he does for a living. I know how compassionate he is. I know what he likes to do in his spare time because I've invested. I've taken the time. And he shared that information with me. So his identity in relation to my viewpoint is completely and utterly different than the identity that my son has with my neighbor. So it's like this with whomever you meet. We all share different facets of ourselves.
And who you are is a product of your experience, a product of the influence you've had genetically from parents. All of these things make up who I am, and I'm the person that gets to decide what I'm going to show you so that you can formulate an identity of me. And I get to see it back through the reflection of my interaction with you. Now, that's a really, really interesting concept because it means that no matter who I interact with, I get to choose who I'm going to be. So you've often heard stories of people that pick up their bags and they move across the country. And they say to you, I'm going to move way over there to the other side of the country. I need a fresh start. I am starting from scratch. I'm starting all over again. If that were me, I would have the opportunity in that new place to be somebody who's completely different. Nobody knows me. I can dress differently. I can speak differently. I can share different facets of who I am and actually create my identity the way that I want it to be. Isn't that incredible? But you don't have to move across the country to do that. You simply have to decide, hey, I want to change my identity. I want to change who I am. And as you do that, you become the identity that you choose. If you choose to be a healthier person, you will actually act that way and present that way. That is your identity. You will eat healthier. You will work out more. All of these things become your identity. I am Alex, the healthy dude. And if I'd like to improve my relationship, I can choose to do that right now. I want to be more loving. I want to be more forgiving. I want to be more open. Instead of moving across the country to be someone else, I simply begin being someone else right now in the eyes of my wife. Now, she's known me for a long time, and she'll have preconceived notions of who Alex is. But if I change my constitution and I focus on those three things that I just spoke about and I do it incessantly, it will change the way my wife sees me and consequently the way that I am. You see, we change our identities for the people that interact with us and we change it for ourselves that are actually portraying ourselves to other people. You have the choice to be whoever you want at any single time. And this is the progression of what happens in life. As we are that baby, the undifferentiated self that turns into the individual, that special person who specializes, becomes individual. But you see, the problem is that we move so far on one side of the pendulum, becoming an individual, that we lose the connectivity to unity to the undifferentiated self that we began as. Whereas many cultures still recognize and celebrate that. There are many indigenous cultures that still feel that connection, that still feel that unity. And yet so often in our Western society, we forget that. 
So as you embark on this journey, this reflective journey, and as you ask yourself questions and as you become more curious, you will discover that something is missing. And you will begin to do, as I've suggested in previous episodes, you will begin to disrobe. You will begin to shed that individuality in the hopes of finding who you truly are, who you began as, who you were created as. And this is what happens on the journey if we're inclined that way. This happens quite often in a religion. It happens with a spiritual pursuit. This knowledge, this feeling that we are more than what we are presenting or maybe less. And so we start to discard Alex, the corporate hero. See you later, guy. I'm not interested in that guy anymore. Alex, the guy who was known as the hockey player. Nope. That's not going to define me anymore. We start to shed and take off those layers of clothing, those disguises, those costumes, whatever we want to call them. And we start to revert to a more interdependent person, someone who is connected to the universe someone who isn't so individual, but realizes that they're part of something bigger, that they're not only defined by the experiences and by what people tell us we are and by what we think we are. We begin to shed, take those clothes off, and we begin to feel a connection you felt it when you've meditated, probably. You have probably felt it when you're simply being. When you're doing something and you're so immersed in it that there's no thought anymore. You are simply it. There's a comfort there. There's a beauty there. There is a space there, an infinite space there that I have been able to find when I meditate. And you see on this journey, so many of us, we believe that that's who we are because it wasn't quite working perfectly when we were the corporate hero, when we were whoever we defined ourselves as, the beautiful model, the mom, the dad, the brother, the sister, it's not working for me. So we find that tranquility. We find that peacefulness. And we like it. We enjoy it. We bask in it. Oh, it feels wonderful. And this is where we go when we tap into that universal consciousness, to that place of tranquility, to the space, the infinite space. And we learn that we are connected to something much greater. We learn about our interdependence in this space. And we begin to think about our place in nature. 
And we lose that idea of individuality that I am just Alex and that is a tree. And instead we realize that without the tree, there is no fruit. And without the fruit, I can't eat the fruit. And without the soil, there's no vegetables. And without fruit and vegetables, I might as well just die. I can't eat. And we realize that we need the oxygen in the air. And if there's no oxygen, then I can't live. And so you really begin to understand your connectedness as opposed to the individuality that you spent a lifetime building and creating. You feel it. It feels unbelievable. It feels warm. It's a new discovery. Let's expand a little bit. Let's look inward a little bit. I am connected to the atoms that make me. I am connected to the blood cells. I am connected to my bones. I am all those things. I am my right hand and my left hand. I am the oxygen because without it, I don't exist. I must coexist with it. And then as we look even further, we realize that without a sun, there is no planet. There are no plants. There is no oxygen. None of this stuff exists. And so we understand intuitively that I am part of the sun and I am part of the moon because everything connects. Wow, what a beautiful, beautiful realization. And this is the other side of the pendulum. But we don't want to stop there. You could if you wanted to, I suppose. But the beauty of life, the beauty of being on, being on this planet is that you have a life to live that you can actually exist in multiple realities at the same time. I may be an individual and I am part of everything. That's the realization. That's where the magic is. Once upon a time, I wrote an article for Marketing Edge magazine and I forget what it was called. It was something about balance. And my thesis was that balance is boring. And I said it tongue in cheek. And I related balance to a seesaw or a teeter-totter. And I brought the notion of kids playing on that seesaw into the picture. When two kids are on either end of the seesaw, it's boring if there's no movement. That's balance, right? Two sides of the seesaw not moving with perfect weight on either side. Well, there's beauty in that. But it's not a lot of fun in this physical world, is it? And so I liken unity. And I liken our interdependence on balance, on knowing this empty space this knowingness, this everything, that is balance. That is creation. The nothingness is where things happen. 
So let's bring that back to the seesaw for a second. The seesaw is sitting there with two kids on either side that are perfectly balanced and nothing is happening. But out of nothing comes everything. Meaning that with the flick of a leg, we can get the seesaw moving. And on this physical plane, we begin to enjoy it. We begin to feel it. I feel myself going up, ah, and then I feel myself going down, and I feel myself going up, and I feel myself going down. The seesaw is in movement, and I like to call that harmony. That's where the fun is on this planet, is in movement, is in experiencing But you can't have that movement without first getting on it and it not having moved at first. So you get on top of this seesaw and you begin to move it. And if one person's way heavier than the other and you're flying around all over the place and your neck is being jarred and your hat's flying off of your head, that might not feel too good. So you might make some adjustments. Hey, would you mind slowing down over there? Oh, that feels better. Thank you. We have found the harmony. Or you might get off the seesaw and get on a different one with somebody else. And that might feel harmonious to you. You might decide to get off the seesaw altogether and get on the swing and move up and down and up and down. And what I'm trying to convey is that this is what happens on the physical plane, is we are constantly going up and down, and this is the negative and the positive. The totality of the movement is experience, is life, and is harmony. There is no joy without understanding the pain. We can't experience sorrow without knowing how beautiful life can be. It's the contrast that allows us to see the other side of the equation. It's necessary. So as we live in this beautiful world, the trick is, is to be both, is to be an individual and to be part of everything at the same time. And being part of everything at the same time means that we are nothing. When we create that space in meditation and lose our individuality from the mind, when we find the space, we feel a profound sense of connection and yet nothing is there. And from nothing is where everything happens. This is balance. That is balance. That is the balance you seek. When somebody tells me, Alex, I need more balance in my life, intuitively, I think to myself, ah, you want to create. That's what you crave is creation. To me, that's what balance means. We get into this state of equilibrium. 
We create, we move, we feel, we analyze, and if we enjoy it, we keep on doing it. But to live is to experience multiple things, to look, to investigate, to have information reach our senses and make decisions about that, amalgamate it, incorporate it, bring it in. It allows us to be much more multifaceted, to be able to reflect different experiences off different people. And that is the magic of our interdependence, is that we are constantly learning from one another, constantly experiencing. It's gorgeous. It's fabulous. If we are like water as individuals, water can be used in a multitude of different ways. I can fill up a round bucket, I can bring it to my driveway, and I can use that water to wash my car. And the identity of that water is water that's used to wash my car with. However, if I put that water in a water bottle, I look at it and I know that that water is for drinking. The identity of that water is for drinking. And if I look at my shower head and decide to turn the knob, the water that's going to come out of there is for showering. As you can see, water takes on many different types of identities. Well, here's what's really interesting about that metaphor. Is that the identity of the water in many ways is dictated by the container it's in. When it's in that round container that I bring out to the front driveway, it's for washing my car. When it's in a water bottle container, it's for drinking. When it's in the shower head, it's for showering. So who are we? Are we the water? Or are we the container? Or are we both? The water and the container. I would argue that we are both. The water doing different things. The water working in different ways. And then... the shape of the water, the decision on how to use the water. That is us. We are both the vessel and the water. Our individuality and our everythingness, our beingness. These are some of the thoughts that I had on identity today. And I'll share another one that I had as well. It relates to the water metaphor. Your experiences are where you point your energy. You get to choose where you point your energy. Do I want to be a rock climber? 
Do I want to be a dad? Do I want to be a teacher? Whatever it is you want to do, you get to point your energy in a direction and learn about it and take on those experiences and become that identity. In much the same way that we can take a flashlight and we can shine it on things and illuminate our experience. If we're in a dark room, we take the flashlight, we shine it at something and say, oh, look at that. That is a printer. Wow. And with that flashlight, we can explore the printer. Look behind it. Look at the paper that goes into it. Look at the toner that's in it. It's plugged into the wall. It must have electricity. Where we shine the flashlight through the dark is what gets illuminated. And where we shine our attention, where we direct our energy, is what gets illuminated. We have the choice. That's what it is to be individual, to have that power, to have that gift, to be able to self-direct, to be able to accumulate experience and learn. But you know, the one thing the flashlight can't do is illuminate itself. And this is why we have such a hard time understanding who we are. The duality of who we are. We are individuals. We are objects. We are manifestations. We are physical. And yet at the same time, as the energy that's being directed, illuminating what we become, we are that which illuminates. We are the flashlight. And the flashlight can never see itself. This is why you have such a hard time understanding who you are. Because you can't see your true self. You can only be it. You can only be the flashlight. You can only know it. In fact, I would argue that perhaps you can see the flashlight once in a while. And the only way you would be able to do that is to see it in a mirror. And what, may I ask, would happen if you saw that flashlight in a mirror? It would be a totally an incomplete image of what the flashlight truly is. It would only be one viewpoint of what that flashlight actually is. Which means that when we see our reflection through the eyes of somebody else that we interact with, when we think that we're an idiot in the eyes of somebody, we are only seeing one reflection of ourselves. It is a completely incomplete picture of who you are. So why are you so hard on yourself? Why do we consider ourselves failures or unhealthy 
or unhappy or unfaithful. We get to choose what we want to reflect and what we want to be. And this is your power. This is your power. Realize it. Realize it right this minute that you are not the reflection of one person looking back at you. You are not the reflection of employees looking back at you. You are not the reflection of your parents looking back at you. You are not the reflection of your family or your friends looking back at you. You are the totality of every single experience that you are. That's what you are. And you get to choose what you are. You get to choose the experiences you engage with, where you place your energy. That is your identity. And beyond that, you are connected to everything. You are part of the universe. Without the universe and all its constituent parts, you don't exist. You can't exist. And without you, I've got news for you. The universe cannot exist either because it is not seen and it must be seen to exist. It is through your eyes that the universe exists and you exist because the universe exists. Your identity is your creation. This is who you are. And that was my talk in today's cacao ceremony. If you ever want to join us for a cacao ceremony, we hold them once a month. You can email me at alex at almostenlightened.life, alex at almostenlightened.life. I believe we charge 50 or 55 bucks for a session. We mail you cacao. You make it. It's a two-hour session. We pick a different topic every single month. They are phenomenal. And it's a real experience. It's a community. We speak, we explore, we share, we learn. Sarah does a meditation. I do a talk. And then we share as a community. And as much as we teach, we learn as well. So please feel free to join us if ever you care to. I want to thank you for listening. And I want to let you know that I've been thinking about you, my audience, the people that I love and cherish so much. And it sucks that I haven't been able to write and record as many podcasts this year so far. I hope you understand where I'm at. And every chance that I can, every time I learn something in business or with these businesses that I'm running these days, I will make a point to jump on this podcast and share it with you. Ad hoc, without writing it because it's important to me and maybe it's important to you. Hey, I wanna let you know that I appreciate you. Thanks very much for listening and I'll talk to you again soon. Take care.